Parshat Yitro. This is a big parsha. Rabbi says is Matan Torah. This is the week, right? What do we call Matan Torah? We also call it. No, Hashem is the place. Kabbalah Satorah. Why do we call it Kabbalah Satorah, receiving the Torah? Because it's not just about being there, it's about letting it in. Can I hear a collective? Ooh. Ooh. Deep. So imagine for a moment, right? I walk into, I told you once that every once in a while, like, uh, we like turn the TV, we have like a little TV upstairs in the bedroom. It's an old fashioned, the old TV, whatever. Been around with us for a while. And, uh, you know, when we're like, you know, getting up in the morning, my wife, whatever, so she'll put the TV on, listen to the news while she's doing whatever she's doing, right? And sometimes I walk back into the room and I see something, whatever. And usually, you know, it's just like, you know, the weather, the talk show, I don't know, whatever, just, you know, go get my comb or whatever. But every once in a while, like, I'll pause because there's something interesting. So one day I walk into the room, years ago, and the, the, the image on the screen was this woman's face. It was like, filled the screen. And there was something about her eyes. There was like a pain in her eyes. And the interviewer is talking to her, and it's clear that she's talking about her son. And I'm trying to figure out what the story is, what the story is, right? And... Her son has been killed. And she's saying how proud she is of her son. And the interviewer says, you know, um, if you could have, would you have taken his place? She says, I would have taken his place in a heartbeat. And like your heart is so moved. And you're thinking that this poor woman, her son, and there was a, it was a series of terrorist bombings. I just figured like, okay, her son was killed in one of the bus bombings or something. And then she starts to go into this like, I'm so proud of him, and he, he is in heaven, and he's done a good thing, and I would do the same thing. And then the camera pans out, and she's wearing a jarabiyah, and I realize she's not the mother of a boy who was killed in the terrorist bombing, she's the mother of the terrorist. And she's describing her son, who was a suicide, or maybe you should call him a homicide bombing. And she's proud of him. And she wanted him to succeed. Now, putting aside for the moment whether she really feels everything she's saying or she's on public television, the last thing she's going to do is say everything else. I have no idea. and It's not germane to our discussion. Is she liable? What responsibility does she bear for what she's saying? Now, she didn't do anything. She didn't blow off a bomb. She didn't give him the explosives. She didn't put him in the car. But she wants, or at least she says she wants, which is bad enough, the same thing he wanted. You know, she wants to build a state on the bodies of a million dead Jews. At least so it seemed from the interview. Without getting into politics, is she accountable for her ratzon? Okay, number one. Now let's say it's a different scenario. I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down the street with Rav Aaron Lichtenstein. Gadol Hador, my Rebbe, my Rosh Hashiva, towering Torah scholar, incredible Valmidas. And we're walking down the street, and we pass by, I don't know, a Lamborghini. Everybody here, any, anybody here ever see a Lamborghini up close? Yeah. Like, I don't mean like you're driving, I mean like you're standing on the street and there's a Lamborghini. Yeah. 
it would take a tremendous amount of koach and a very high level to walk by a Lamborghini and not notice it. Like, we're human beings, right? If I was walking with one of my boys, right, he would say, whoa, right? So I'm walking with a Vlichensin, and he sees a Lamborghini, he goes, ooh, sweet ride, right? <laughs> now, if I was walking with a Vlichensin, and he said that, I'd be like, what? <laughs> right? Why? Because, like, I don't expect a Vlichensin, I don't expect he knows what a Lamborghini is, I don't expect him to think about a Lamborghini. And if that happened, it would actually bother me. Like, if I was walking by a Lamborghini, I'd notice it. It really doesn't move me. I don't see why people spend $200,000 on a piece of metal to get them from one place to another when you could spend $150,000 and feed orphans for a year and just buy a regular car. But okay, right? But I would notice it. But I wouldn't be the guy saying, sweet ride. I'd smile if you did. But, you know, I'd think to myself, okay, you're still a three-year-old. That's okay, you know, fine, right? What, what? So, what would bother me about that is that implicit in that statement would be it would be fun to ride in the Lamborghini. And I would not expect Ravaron Lichtenstein to have any interest whatsoever in riding in a Lamborghini. If somebody said to me, you know what, um, um, I can get you a ride in a Lamborghini, I'd say, that's very nice, it doesn't interest me at all. Like, I would think like, okay, if, if I'm doing you a favor, I'm gonna have to get to this car, spend half an hour to make you feel good, then get back, and I'm gonna waste an hour and a half of my time, but maybe it's a mitzvah, because you're, you know, the person's dying, and I'm doing, I have no interest in riding a Lamborghini. It doesn't do anything for me. Now, if you said to me, you know, um, Ron Lichtenstein's giving a shear, and you're mistaken, he didn't pass away. Or, we found the shear of Ron Lichtenstein on, I don't know, you know, Parsha Yitro, and I'll send it to you, it's an hour shear. So I'd be going crazy to try to figure out how to fit that hour into my day and change the shear and just hear a shear from Lichtenstein on Yitro, right? So, I think what would bother me is it would bother me that Ravana Lichtenstein would want to ride in a Lamborghini. It would bother me if I wanted to ride in a Lamborghini. That shouldn't be important to me. It wouldn't bother me if my son, when he was 12, wanted to ride in a Lamborghini. Because that's normal. Maybe. What about the 19-year-old Shana Beck guy who just did a Siyam Masechta? That might bother me a little bit. What about I run into him and he finished Wayo and he finished Smicha and he's now teaching and he still wants to ride in a Lamborghini? That'll probably bother me a little more. So bearing that in mind, what is the topic of this evening, given that it's Parsha Yitro? Anybody want to guess? Yitro? Nope. 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 What do I want? Pardon? Which is about what? So what's, 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 what's the central story of this week's Parsha? Putting aside courts and justice, yeah? Yitro slips all the way over to here. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Kabbalah Satora. What do we get at Kabbalah Satora this week? Bishpatim is next week. By the way, that's a terrible mistranslation, the Ten Commandments. That's a Christian translation. I get why people say that. It's an interesting debate whether they are actually Ten Commandments. I'm your God who took you out of Egypt. Okay, nice to meet you. What's the commandment? But okay, it's a Seratadibrot. There are ten mamarim, ten Things that Hashem says. But okay. Maybe they're ten mitzvot. Alright? Now, 
Generally, when you see a list in the Torah, there's a development. Okay? It, it starts from X and it ends with Y. So when I think of the Aseret HaDibur, I think these are really serious, serious things. You know? Don't carry Hashem's name in vain. Like every human being carries Hashem's name. Do you carry that in vain? Do you live up to the challenge of being created by God? Don't murder, don't steal, don't adulter. What's the tenth? The tenth would be, this is the pinnacle, the apex of the list. What's the tenth? Right? What do we say? Lo tachmod beit reyecha. Ve lo tachmod eishet reyecha. You shouldn't, I'm going to loosely translate and we'll explain this a little more. You shouldn't desire your neighbor's house. You shouldn't desire your neighbor's wife, right? Okay, what is this iser, right? Don't, lotin af, don't adulter. I think we got a pretty clear idea what that is. Okay? If you go to your next door neighbor's house, you grab his wife, you pull her into a closet, you do what you do, that's an Isra Dorais, that's Lotinaf, and you're liable for death, and you should die rather than do that. Okay. You know, Kibbut Avaim. Hard mitzvah, but I understand it. What is Lotachmod? What does that mean? And if it means that you shouldn't want your neighbor's house, why is that so terrible? You know, I live in a little house, and next door to me, the guy knocked down his house and he built this three-story mansion, and it's awesome, and there's a pool in the backyard and a tennis court, and my kids always want to go over there to play, and one day, God, I wish that I could have a house like that. Is that so terrible? I want to have a Lamborghini. Okay, there are better things to want. But so, is it, I understand, you know, you are who you want, whatever. That's in the Aceres Dibros. This is like, don't murder, don't steal, and don't want your neighbor's house? What's that doing here? This is the first question. Second question, okay? Very interesting. If the Torah is gonna tell me not to want things, what would you start with? Your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's house? I mean, I would think the wife is a bigger deal. So why does it say, lo tachmod beit Then there's a samech, that means there's a break in the line. And then it says again, lo tachmod eishet avdo amato so we don't have time to get into the whole order because I promised you I'm not going to make this long. Why is the first say don't covet your neighbor's house and then don't covet his wife? I would think the order's reversed. Okay, right? Another question. Where else do we find this mitzvah? Where else do we find this mitzvah? Obvious place. Who said Vayetchanan? Why Vayetchanan? Oh, you're redeeming yourself. Why do you say Vayetchanan? Because that's where the other... Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the second generation. Again, we heard... This is what we heard at Har Sinai. And I'm going to go through the Sarat HaDibur. Now, by the way, if you want to do a great project for learning over the weekend, over Shabbos, this is a great thing to do. Right? Take a look at the Sarat HaDibros in Yitro. Take a look at the Sarat HaDibros in Vayetchanah and you'll see some very interesting things. Why in one does it say Zachor at Yom HaShabbat? And the other one, it says, Shamor at Yom HaShabbat. Which one is it? What do we say in L'chadudi, Zachor v'shamor, Dibur Echad? What does that mean? Does Hashem say it? One, okay. But here's an interesting one. In this Dibra, it says, Lo tachmod eishet reyecha, v'lo titaveh beit reyecha. This is a whole new topic. What is lo titaveh? 
Now, lotitaveh comes from the word tava, which means desire. to desire. Don't desire. What's the difference between don't covet and don't desire? Another question, right? Which one did, did Hashem say? Did he say lo takmo? Did he say lo titaveh? But another interesting question, I'm going to read this again. Ask me an obvious question. You ready? I know you're ready. Okay? I'm going to read this again. Ask me an obvious question. Lo takmod eshet reyecha. Lo titaveh beit reyecha. Sadeh or avdoh amatoh, whatever it is. Ask me an obvious question. The order is reversed. In our parsha, we start with the house, then we get to the wife. In Vait Chanan, we start with the wife, then we get to the house. What's going on? Maybe it has something to do with Lotitaveh, don't desire, versus Lotachmod. What's the difference between Lotitaveh and Lotachmod? Right? Why is this, by the way, why is this the last Dibra? This is the 10th Dibra. Okay? Or it's at least the end of the Dibrot. That would mean that this is, this is the bookend. I understand why Anochi is the first one. You tell me. Why is Anochi Hashem Elokech? What do you think the mitzvah of Anochi Hashem Elokech is? Is Okay, so there's a mitzvah to know Hashem, which by the way could mean to mitzvah to have a relationship with Hashem, okay? Everything is basic. If you don't have a relationship with Hashem, then what does it mean not to steal? By the way, not to steal in the search of Dibros is really Gnevos Nefashos, the actual, whatever, we'll get there some other time, right? It's kidnapping, but okay. But if you don't have Hashem, then none of this makes a difference. Like, okay, so why is Lotachmod the 10th Dibra? Okay? And by the way, if this is about not wanting something, how can we be expected not to want something? Right? Okay. So let me share with you a couple of ideas. All right? We're going to see if we can put this in order. Okay? First, okay, the Ibn Ezra makes an interesting point. The Ibn Ezra in Vayet Hanan says, these are actually two different mitzvot. By the way, although we're not going to get into this, there's an interesting question what these Aserat dibrot are, and whether Anoche Shalokech is the first dibrot, or it's an introduction to all the dibrot. The Ibn Ezra believes that Lo Tachmod is one dibrot, and Lo Titaveh is another. That's an interesting thing. So what does he say? Umilat Chemet. This is the Ibn Ezra in Vayet Hanan, Perakei, Pasuk Yudchet. Right? Umilat chemed, right? This coveting, Balash Nakodesh, mit parashat the shnei It means two things. Hayechad gezel va'oshek the shel acherim, bechazka, right? It means taking something, robbing someone of something, taking it forcefully, coercing him out of something, right? The kach lo yachmod ishat artzech, I quote the Pasuk person will desire your land, in other words, you're afraid he's going to take your land, right? Okay? Tava is when you desire something, whether you do something about it or not. Right? Right? The ninth is You shouldn't covet. What does it mean? You shouldn't coerce. You shouldn't try to force your guy to sell you something. You shouldn't even want it. Right? Oh, and then the, 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 the Ibn Ezra says, V'rabim amru ki avon So many people say, what's wrong with wanting something? If you just want something, it's no different. And how could you punish, how could Hashem hold us accountable for what we want and punish us if we want something that we shouldn't want? And he says, the fact that there's a difference between if I do something on purpose or I do it by accident proves that what I want and my desire is important. 
So that's Ibn Ezra. There are two mitzvah. One mitzvah is Lotachmon. Lotachmon, the Rambam will explain this. The Rambam in Hilchos Gezela, Vaveda, where do I find Hilchos Gezela? Which Sefer? Zikin, very good, right, laws of damages. Because when you do Gezel, the essential idea when you rob someone is the damage you do to them. Okay, so listen to what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, Kol ha-chomeid, this is Gzelo v'aveda perak falachatet. Kol ha-chomeid avdo, o amato, o beito v'kelav shel chavero, o davar she'efshar lo she'iknehu mimenu, v'ichbir alav b'reim, v'ifzir bo, ad she'lakchum mimenu, af'al pi she'natan lo damim rabim, ha-rei ze over belota se'shnemar belota achmod. If you try to coerce somebody, if you try to convince somebody, right, to sell you something or to give you something, which is a form of extortion, right? I don't know. Um, uh, I like Donnie's sweatshirt. It's a nice color. I say, hey, you want to sell me your sweatshirt? He goes, uh, not really. I said, come on, sell me your sweatshirt, right? He's like, I don't really want to sell you my sweatshirt. My mother got it for me. I don't know, right? I'm a mama's boy, okay, right? And every day I go over to him, and I, and I say to him, listen, here's 100 bucks for you, sir. Next day I come to him with 200 bucks. I'm over in Isser, Dil Raisa, every time I do that. By the way, debatable whether it only is the Isser and, and whether I can get Malkos or not get Malkos. The Raman says you don't get Malkos. Whether it, it has to come to fruition, he actually has to end up giving me the sweatshirt, right? Or just the fact that I do that is enough. But that's a form of coercion, Right? On the other hand, right? Ve'en lokin, you don't get malkos, right? In Halacha Yud, he says, kol if you desire, beto, ishto, kevan shechashav belibo, since you in your heart think, in your mind think, that you want something, right? So therefore, you're over in Isidoraisa lo yitaveh. Halamata shamitaveh over belav echad, if you desire something that belongs to someone else, you're over an Isr Daraisa of Lotitave. If you then convince him or try to convince him to sell it to you, you're over another Isr of Lotachma. So if I convince you to sell me something you don't want to sell, I'm over two Isr. One, because I wanted it, and two, because I bullied you into selling it to me. Right? This is very interesting. There are two separate inyanim here, right? There's the desire I have in my heart, and then there's the activity of extortion, okay? That's the first in- thing that's interesting, right? The second thing that's interesting is the mechilta. The Torah Tamima quotes the mechilta, and he says like this. Why, what is this doing here? She'im hitaveh sofolachmot. Right, what, what, what's the issue here? If you desire something that isn't yours, you're going to end up trying to convince him to sell it to you. Right? So one issue will lead to another. Well, what's so bad about convincing guy to sell it? At the end of the day, at least he sells it to you. This is, by the way, um, a big issue post-Holocaust. There was a famous case. They made a movie out of it. It's a fantastic movie. Um, I forget the name of the movie. Um, about art. Okay, so a Jew is trying to get out of Germany, and a Nazi officer says to him, you know what... I want to buy your paintings. And he has a Rembrandt hanging in his living room. And it's valued at $100,000. Nazi says, you need a ticket on the train. And I want your painting. I'll give you $5,000. Now the Jew says, 
And the Nazi says, okay. And he's walking out the door and you realize you need to get this train ticket. You don't want to get this guy mad at you. So you agree to sell it to him for $5,000. On the one hand, it's a sale. You sold it to him. On the other hand, you sold a $100,000 or a million dollar painting for $5,000. Now the Holocaust is over and this fellow or his heirs, they want to get the painting back, which is now hanging in a museum somewhere. And they say, well, there's a bill of sale. You sold it to this German. The guy says, I was coerced. What would the halacha say? The halacha would say, it's very clear. That's an iser. Now, by the way, the Sefer Achinuch, fascinating. The Sefer Achinuch says, um, remember the Sefer Achinuch is a Rishon who wrote this for his, for his son in his bar mitzvah, right? He talks about also the difference between Loti Tavay and Lotachmar and the fact that two separate Yisurim and one is about my desire and one is about coercing somebody, extorting someone, right? Um, and he says, again, that uh, Lotachmar will lead to Gezel, right? So he says, Shoresh mitzvazu yaduahu ki erchakata Gezel mi ben bnei adam mi toelet hakol, right? Vinoheget. At the end, the Sefer Chinuch always says, he says, Noheget bechol makom uchol zman. This mitzvah applies everywhere. It's not only in Israel, and it applies any time. It has nothing to do with the base of Mikdash. This is true even for non-Jews. Every human being is obligated in this mitzvah. Okay? You're not allowed to do lo tochmon. Ask me an obvious question here. This is not an obvious question, but how... If, if, the, if the, we're trying to avoid a guy asking to sell his things, how's it... No, no, ask me an obvious question about what the Sefer Echinu said. It's not the Shemesh Menach. There are seven mitzvot that are ushered to an... Pardon? I was thinking that too. I was just hyperfixated. Okay, I'll get back to you in a second. Seven mitzvot Menach. How could this be? How could a guy, how could a non-Jew be obligated in this mitzvah when it's not one of the seven Noahide laws? What are the seven Noahide laws? Right? Emuna, right? Emuna and Hashem. Not allowed to adulter. Not allowed to steal. Not allowed to... Not allowed to not allowed to adulter, not allowed to steal, right? Stealing and robbing. I have to set up uh, courts, right? Idolatry. Aver minachai. Pardon? Right? Where is, where is uh, Lotitaveh? Where is Lotachmod? So the Sefer Chinuch explains very simple because the Sefer Chinuch says the basis of this mitzvah is that you shouldn't come to rob. And since robbery is one of the Sefer Chinuch, therefore... A non-Jew is obligated. So what you see, therefore, is that the Chinuch says <coughs> that this mitzvah is really in order. The reason you're not allowed to want something is because you'll end up extorting him to get it. And the reason you're not allowed to extort him to get it is because that's a form of robbery. You're stealing. Okay. Third issue. All right. So let's just, one last thing. So what's the fundamental issue here? Why is it so terrible if I want that which I don't have, that belongs to my neighbors, or Victor Nevinsel says, very simple. Because if Hashem gave this item to him, Hashem is saying, this belongs to someone else. It's clearly Ratzon Hashem that this house belongs to that person. So not only are you not allowed to steal it, not only are you not allowed to coerce him into it, you shouldn't even want it. The fact that you want something that Hashem gave to someone else means that you don't understand what's on Hashem. The very fact that Hashem says that... Uh, a good example. The very fact that Hashem says 
that Adin has this beautiful coat, right? If I want that coat, then I'm not paying attention to the fact that Hashem says, but it belongs to him. The very fact, right? I don't know, let's say I come into the base members and I see, wow, look at Snowbell. He has this stark Canadian baseball hat. I mean, you gotta have a Muna. You gotta have a Muna to have a Canadian baseball hat. I mean, the Expos haven't come near the World Series in 50 years. That's a Muna. And I get all excited. I thought, wow, if I had that baseball hat, I'd give a shiur on a Muna. I wouldn't even have to say anything. I'd say, look, I'm wearing an Expos hat. It's gotta be a Muna, right? Do the Expos still even exist? No, there you go. Deals in the works. Proof deals in the works. Don't get distracted, right? <coughs> what I really should say is, though, what, what, so obviously I'm not going to force him to sell me the hat. I shouldn't even want the hat. Why shouldn't I want the hat? Because it's on his head. And if it's on his head, then Hashem is telling me that I shouldn't want it. But it could be on your head, though. Pardon? It could be on I'm allowed... No, no, no. I'm allowed... This will get us a little into the halachic side of this. I'm allowed to ask him, I would love to buy your hat. I'm also allowed to ask him, you know, you don't need the hat. You want to give me the hat? Right? If he says no, then that's it. Then if I ask him again, I'm over in Isra Doraisa. By the way, interesting question. So let's say in this particular case, right? Can a Rebbe slash or a Rosh Hashiva ask a Talmud to sell him a hat? That's not so pushing. Because it could be that it's uncomfortable for the student to say no. In which case, it's a form of extortion. Let's say, that, um, let's say that I really want to get the hat. And I know the Prime Minister of Canada. So I ask the Prime Minister, see if he'll sell me the hat. It's an Isur Doraisa. Okay, shh, the Beishmuel says, it's an Isur Doraisa because you're putting him in the uncomfortable position that he might not be able to say no, and therefore you're extorting him. It's an Isur Doraisa. So hidden in this, in, in this, in this, Mitzvah is the idea that whatever I want should be what I think Hashem wants me to want. Now, we've spoken about this before. What I want is who I am. And the foundation of everything, right? Why don't you steal? You could say you don't steal because society will break down. You could say you don't steal because it's not nice. You could say you don't steal because the Torah says not to steal. You know the real reason you shouldn't steal? Because Hashem doesn't want you to steal. It's neged Ritzon Hashem. Imagine if you could really align your will with Ritzon Hashem. The foundation of all the Aseret that he brought, which itself is the foundation of the entire Torah, is all about... Now I understand why Lot Tachmon is the 10th mitzvah. It's the 10th mitzvah because it's the foundation of everything. It starts with Anochi Hashem. And the ultimate goal of it all is that I should want simply to want what Hashem wants me to want. And one last point, and then we'll open up the floor to questions. Right? So how come in Lotach mode, which is about extorting, we start with the house, and then you get to the wife. But when it comes to Lotitaveh, we start with the wife, and we get to the house. Now I think it makes a lot of sense. Right? If you want someone's wife, in order to be over on the issue of Lotach mode, you have to get her somehow to divorce her husband, because otherwise it's Lotinaf, right? Why do you need Lotach mode Eshid Reyecha? If you already have Lotinaf, you can't adulter. Right? It's a difficult question. But now I understand. In order to be over the issue of Lotachmod, which is not to extort, not to force somebody, so I have to actually get the woman to divorce her husband and marry me. But Lotitave is just that I want her, even though I don't do anything about it. So the, the likelihood of wanting 
and not doing anything is much more likely when it comes to Eishet Re'echa. And that's why by Loti David we start with Eishet Re'echa. On the other hand, by, by Lotachmod, which is forcing someone to sell to me, it's much more likely by, by Bayit. And I'll just finish with this idea. You know, in the story of Avram Avinu, right? Because these are also two different Isurim. In the story of Avram Avinu, do you remember that Avram goes down to Mitzrayim and he says to his wife, Imrina Achotiat, do you remember this? Pretend you're my sister. And then they have a whole mess. Paro takes her, why didn't you tell me? It's a whole mess. Okay, and there's a plague, and Hashem talks to Avram, and he, everything happens, and it all works out. And then a little while later, what happens? Happens again. Avram Avinu is going to Gerar this time, land of the Philistines. And he says to Sarah again, tell him you're my sister. And again they play this game. And again, Navi Melech takes her, and again there's a mess. And, you know, there's a plague, and he has to die for them, whatever. So the obvious question is, Avram was tested by Asara Nisyonot. Now, if there's a Nisayon, which happens in Egypt when Sarah gets taken, and then there's another Nisayon, another test, that she's taken by Avimelech, they must be two different tests, but it's the same story. Understand? So, some of the Mepharshim say it's very simple, because these are really two different issues, without getting into how. Mitzrayim was known. It was known that one of the issues of Mitzrayim was lust, was taiva. They looked at beautiful women. And it's very clear. You see it in the Pesukim. You see it now. We don't have time to get into this because I promised I'd finish. But it's, it's, it's an issue of lust. It's a, it's a, it's a hate of lust. Paro lusts after a woman and therefore he's willing. His, that's his immorality. By the story of Avimelech, it's not about the beauty of Sarah. That doesn't come up. What, what, what is, in fact, if you look carefully at the Pesukim, you'll see who is the victim in the story of Avimelech? Avram Avinu. Right? He takes the wife of Avram. It's not about Sarai or Sarah. Because in the story of Avimelech, it's an issue of control. If I can take your wife, then that shows my power. It's a completely different chet. Now, when I'm chomed, when I can coerce you into giving me what's really yours, then I'm, that's a power trip. That's about control. When I lust, that's, a, that, that's an issue of taifa. Those are two different isurim and they're two different issues and that's why they appear separately according to Ibn Ezra in the Aserat that he wrote. And I guess the message of this entire Shia and this entire thought is do I want what Hashem wants me to want? If I look at the reality of the world all around me I'm getting messages as to what I should want in this world and what I shouldn't want in this world. And that's really what Kabbalat Torah is all about. It's about learning to align my Ratzon with Ratzon Hashem. So that is a little bit of food for thought. Um, We'll stop here in Project Yitro.